Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writers Network. Opinions expressed on our shows do not necessarily reflect those of our network. It's that time, Geek Block Heads. It's Mothership Monday. Toss a Kleenex to the Weeping Angels and settle in for the Geek Block. I'm your host, Carla Hoke, and today I'm interviewing an author that so helped me. I thought I had interviewed before. She's won or been a finalist. For about a, and had about a dozen accolades in several different genres. In fall of 2015, she officially leapt over to the geek side with her spec fic debut, Embers. And bless her heart, she's been in a rush and she just has been able to call in Ronnie Kendig. Are you there? But I don't oh, know if I'm mentally here. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Okay, everyone. Let's take a deep breath. There you are. Okay. My guest today is Ronnie Kendig. How are you today, ma'am? I am doing good. I am. I am keeping up. I think. First, I want to tell you thank you for coming on again, folks. I know I said this is the first time she's been on the Geek Blog Show. It's the first time that it has aired. The last time we got together, uh, I had some technical issues, and she came in loud and clear and lovely as a bell, and I could not be heard from anywhere. So she was kind enough to come back and re-record all again. But the last time I talked, we did a show, Things were you, with you were kind of hectic. You were in a writing crunch. Tell listeners what, what all was going on with you. Oh, at that time, it was like every deadline imaginable was just on a collision course. I, um, as well as writing my speculative fiction, I write suspense with another publisher. And I had two deadlines at one point that were within a day of each other. And then I, I met those, and then I had my... Um, my deadline for the full novel in like a month and a in like a month, and then I also had deadlines for an, an edit, and it was just like every time I would oh finish gosh. one, I'd get like two more, and it was just like I really just want to breathe. But it, I mean, it's a blessing, absolutely. But I, uh, I was drowning. Yes. I, you know, I don't think sometimes people who don't write, I think they have because I I know I thought this way. That it, you know, writers sat by a beautiful window and they typed on their computer and they whisked it away to the editor and then they just sat back and had a glass of wine. And that is not how it works. Tell no. folks, okay, <laughs> let's say that you get you get your first, your manuscript done. First of all, how many times do you go through a manuscript before you send it in? I do, I know there are some authors who write in drafts, multiple drafts, and I don't write that way. I write in one draft, but I'm always combing back through it and teasing in layers, doing my editing. Every time I sit down to write, I'll go back through either the last chapter or two chapters that I've written just to get myself back in the flow. That's where I'll catch mistakes or I'll realize, oh, I think I just dropped something there. So I'll go back and go back even more and kind of tease them in and make sure everything's flowing as I keep writing. I, if I think 
I would probably kill myself <laughs> if I had to write in multiple drafts <laughs> because editing for me is probably the worst part of writing. My, I, I get my passion and my drive from doing the first draft, meeting the characters and journeying with them. And after right. that, I almost don't want to look at it again. Um, e so. Editing is hard. Editors are the heroes of the writing world. They are the best writers out there. Folks, there are a reason why editors are sometimes named on the front of the book. They're definitely named in the first couple pages. So you yeah. send in your, your manuscript, okay? How many times does it go back and forth? Have you gotten to a place where it doesn't go back and forth that much, or do you still have to send it back and forth quite a bit? Oh, no. I mean, it, I think it depends also on the publisher. Um, with, the, with the publisher that I did like a dozen novels with, I would see the book in varying stages about three times before it went to print. And with the publish, uh, my new publisher for Suspense, um, I saw Conspiracy of Silence. It comes out in December. I saw that book, gosh, five times, I think. And it was like just these double layers. And it was just constantly making the story better, but it was just like, am I ever going to be done with this book? And then I, with Accelerant and Embers, I think I see it about three or four times. That's, that's kind of average. You do your content edit, then you do um, maybe a line edit, and then there's a copy edit, and then the final proofreading at, at the very end with your galley. So It really is an exhaustive process. And I, I asked you this last time, and I don't remember what you said. I'm sorry. Why is it called a galley? Tell folks what a galley is. Oh, I I think that comes from some term, and I can't remember what it is. I'm tempted to see her and Google it real quick. But the galley is just, um, it's the final stage. It's where you see the book in a print format, but um, like with, with um, Enclave Publishing or Gilead, um, we get digital a digital galley with my other publisher, I get a printed copy of the galley, and it looks like it's ready, you know, to be spliced off and put into a book format. And that is really the author's last attempt at a book to see what changes to be made, make sure everything's flowing, you've got words, there aren't typos or misplaced or missing punctuation. Um, but I, right. I know and it, it has also a looks like term where it came from, but I don't. It know. has to. It has to. There it has does. to be. And I, I know what it is. Yeah, I, it has to be. And it also gives you a chance to see how uh, they're going to set up your chapters, you know, to yes. see, OK, this is what this chapter number looks like. This is how far. And I know right. that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is a big deal. I like chapters yes. that start halfway down the page. I like a blank page before some people don't. So it's you getting a chance to look at your manuscript in book form bec before it ever actually gets printed in book form. Correct. Yeah, that is correct. And you, you know, I, I've had it before where I just saw it kind of in a word document. I thought I caught everything, but once it's in that book format, you see things you never saw before. So I, yeah. it's, it's very, very important to see it that way. And I, and printing it out also brings an extra layer to the process of catching typos. <laughs> I see a lot more yes. when I have it in print. So it's, it's yeah. All right, Ronnie, you know, there is some controversy over your name. And I was standing next to somebody at Realm Makers, <laughs> and she said, oh, there's Roni. And I said, who? I said, who's Roni? She goes, Roni Kendig. I said, is it Roni? I said, I thought it was Ronnie. She goes, is it Ronnie? I said, well, now I don't know. I'm completely confused. <laughs> it is spelled R-O-N-I-E, and it is pronounced, tell us. Ronnie. 
It's Ronnie. Ronnie. And how did that name, how did that spelling come about? Well, my full name is Veronica, and if you look at it, R-O-N-I is right in the middle of Veronica, and mm-hmm. my Irish family called me Ronnie, and I hated it forever because um, of all the comic books oh, and, you know, all that. Name. Yeah, I, I just didn't like it, but then I got, I got to where I felt like Veronica was too much of a pretentious name, so I abandoned <laughs> that, but I didn't like R-O-N-I, so I just added the E on it to be unique, so um, to actually make, maybe make everybody's lives more complicated <laughs> i think it's super cute did was did they name you veronica with, with the intention of calling you ronnie all along or did it just happen no my mom named me after saint veronica the saint okay. who wiped the face of jesus so um yeah Aww. and then my, my irish her irish family started calling me ronnie so yeah wow you're super irish you're not just irish you're super irish I'm so what is your maiden name? Well, that I, my maiden name was Gray, um, but my dad was from Montreal. So, and the Grays okay. actually came from were Scotch Irish. So I do. I have a lot of Irish blood in me. Yeah. Okay, and also I need an update on your dog. For a while there, your dog had a hip issue, didn't he? Was it hip or no, was it no? It wasn't his hip. What was it? It was what, the knee or the hawk, um, and that's actually yes, his okay. right rear hawk is why Volt was retired from the Air Force, and then just recently he had an issue with the left one, so the poor guy was, you know, kind of limping on both legs. Um, but he's eight, and, you know, he, he was a hard-hitting working okay. dog, so um, yeah. they, that's why they retired him because they said they could see that, the other, you know, the right one – had the surgery and that's when he got retired but they said his left one was doing the same was start it was heading that way too so that's why he went explain ahead to folks it. explain to folks a little bit about your dog because he was an active duty member of the military for real he was he was a patrol explosives detection dog and he worked in he was deployed once to kuwait he's also done presidential detail and first lady detail here in the states um, when they've been traveling and stuff and um, he retired at, um, what was it, five and a half? He was, al- he was almost five and a half when I got him, which is very young for a working dog. But because of the injury to his joint and his other joint going the same way, they went ahead and made the decision to retire him early. He's a very intense dog, so quirky. He's hilarious, um, but obstinate. Boy, is he obstinate. He fits right in here. <laughs> what breed is he? He is a Belgian Malinois. He looks a lot like a shepherd. Okay. He does not have right. the traditional tan in black. He's got, right. my, my daughter calls it a toast. He looks like burnt toast because underneath <laughs> his, the bottom layer of his, of his fur is tan and then the tips are black. So he's really, he's, that I just think he's fits gorgeous. you perfectly. It does. <laughs> Having a military dog fits you perfectly. You are an army brat, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Correct. And your husband is former military, correct? That is correct. Yep. And you have a military series of books, correct? Yes, I write the rapid fire fiction is is military or paramilitary, depending on the series. And i i did a I did a se- I did a series um, on uh, working dogs um, a few years ago. So. And so how how did you not end up in the military? I mean, it's all around you, and yet somehow you never made the leap. No, I think um, 
I think I was just designed for support. I was not designed to be that is know, important. Combat. <laughs> yes. That is important. Um, that's that's my wiring. Um, I'm an, a fierce, ardent supporter of our military, um, but that's that's not me. My personality to be in there. I, I told I told my daughter who was considering going into the Air Force. I told her I said you're you're braver than me. I'm too much of a wuss. I think. <laughs> no, you are just made for a different side of the battlefield. I am. You are and not you know, made. For, you are ma- talked yes. about that. Yeah. Yeah, I was made to be in the medic's tent back with the wounded. Exactly. I was not meant to be front lines. So, yeah. Right. And so tell folks what you ended up studying in college. You decided to not go the military. What did you do instead? Eventually, I got my degree in psychology. I started out with um, social work. I didn't like that because of some of the things they required you to do and approve and stuff. So then I, I, you know, I was doing child care, but I ended up doing psychology, which really is just perfect for me because I'm always wanting to know why the person is doing that thing. Um, and I think that has helped me so much with my writing, understanding personalities absolutely. and how we're wired. So, yeah. I'm sure it absolutely did help you. Was there... It seems like I ha- I did. I had to take psychology as a part of my education courses. I was trained to be mm-hmm. a teacher. And I do remember sitting in that class thinking, the farther I go in this class, the more I'm going to realize how crazy I am. This probably shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding out too much about myself. Okay, yeah. Embers. Uh, tell us a little bit about Embers. Um, so Embers, I guess, you know, the story behind that finding, well, starting that series was just kind of a fluke. Um, I, uh, when Steve Lobby acquired uh, March Lord, he talked to me about publishing, um, my series and we had been trying to sell it elsewhere, but, um, I don't know why I mentioned all that, but, (laughs) um, Embers came out of, out of a fluke of after watching the BBC's Merlin and um, the character Morgana in there. I was getting so angry with her because she was seeming to act like she was being loyal and making a big sacrifice on behalf of her brother, quote-unquote, who was Arthur and the kingdom. Right. And I just sat there and I thought, what if, it, what if a princess truly did do something catastrophic in terms of herself to save her brother and her kingdom. And that was the, that was the germ that sprouted embers and brought it about. Um, and then accelerant, you know, the new book. So I, you had such a good thing going. You had so many great other series. What was it about the story that you thought, you know what, even though everything is going fantastic, I'm going to go on a whole different path. What was it? I mean, have you always been a spec fic nerd on the inside? What was it that drove you to go completely different than anything you'd done before? I have always been writing speculative fiction. In fact, um, when I first met my agent, or he wasn't my agent then, obviously, in 2004, the story I had for him, I didn't even know the term at the time, was a dystopian novel um, that was near future. And after that, I had, I don't know, I did a dozen other stories all the while you know the industry is telling us if you want to get published in speculative fiction what you have to do is establish yourself 
um, as an author in a normal genre, and you'll have the credibility, and a publisher will be willing to let you branch out. So I played huh. that game. I did that, and um, that doesn't that is no longer true. <laughs> yeah, I will yeah. say that the market has changed, the industry has changed so much, but I have constantly been writing speculative stories. I have at least a dozen finished in in my in my arsenal. You know, Steve and I have already talked about another series, and it's just that's when I write speculative fiction. To me, that's like plugging straight into the heart of God. I, me too. It flows out very freely. Um, I have to put a lot more energy and work into my other series, which I absolutely love. But it, there's a difference. There's a real, a notable difference for me. So you know, no, no matter I told Steve, no matter how my series sell, I'll always be writing speculative stories. I love that you said that it plugs straight into the heart of God because sometimes people have, and you know what, the Christian publishing industry, there was quite a bit of pushback for some time uh, with speculative fiction. So explain your statement, it plugs straight into the heart of God. I totally understand it. I am with you. So explain to other people what you mean. I, when I, for me, it's the stories come easier. The flow is there. I don't have to think as much as I have to just be obedient and write. And I mean, that trans, of course, that translates across all, all genres. Um, but for me, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the universe. And um, if he can create a universe, he can help me create a story. <laughs> so That's right. <laughs> write in my speculative, in my speculative vein, um, I I don't I normally don't plot completely see the pants and it's just amazing to me how something that will pop up in the beginning has a purpose in the end and it's like whoa I did I never saw that coming and then they just per- so perfectly tied together and it just really I don't I don't I normally don't struggle for words I don't want to jinx myself of course but it just <laughs> flows it I can't even, I mean, other than to say that, it just flows right out of me. It's its like a floodgate opens. Tell us about book one of the Ember series, Abiasa's Fire. So um, book one, Embers, starts with um, Hagen, who has been crippled um, for most of his life. And he is suddenly thrust into a miracle opportunity, which he didn't want, didn't ask for. But he ends up on this journey trying to get a cure because he was miraculously healed of his disability. But when he was healed, his sister was suddenly crippled. So to oh. reverse that, to free them both, they, he has to journey to the Great Falls and um, step beneath the waters to receive that healing, to free him and his sister from what has happened. So okay, I misspoke. It, it, Go ahead. What? what? <laughs> well, I, was just I say, said in, I in Ember's, the series. Right. Go ahead. You there? Oh yeah. Sorry. In in Ember's, okay. um, they also they can the reason why it's called Ember's is they have a gift, the ability to harness heat and fire. So I just hadn't mentioned that. <laughs> oh. I, I misspoke. The series is Abias's Fire. Book one Correct. is called Embers. Correct. Okay. Yes. So this is the premise of book one. 
What about book two? Was that what you were finishing up on or have, have you finished or are you still working on that? Yes, yeah, matter of fact, um, Accelerant comes out in October the 14th. Um, Perfect. And, I and thought it, it was soon. Yes. Yes. In Accelerant, um, this is Hagen's journey to embrace what the prophecy has said about him, something that he is unwilling to do and struggles to do. So it's his, his journey through that and bringing in and he has to go. And Oh, okay. I want to get back to that too. Okay. When I try to remember something, I cross my fingers and I have too many fingers crossed right now. Okay. <laughs> In book one, he has, to, he has to go to a body of water to a waterfall, correct? Correct. Okay. Are you, can you tell as much about what it is special about that waterfall? Can you tell about that? Sure. It's um, that, that part is, is right from the beginning there. He knows about that. Um, but there is a time every um, hundred years where this waterfall is said to have been touched by Abiyasa herself. So those who need healing, you know, and I took it kind of from um, the pool of Salome that was stirred by the angels. That's what I was thinking the, of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the waterfall um, every hundred years, they is a time of rekindling and people who go there are said to be restored, have their heat, you know, get healing. And that's why he is trying to get there so that in time to be in those waters. And that's what we'll find out a little bit more about an accelerant, correct? Well, he does that store that happens in, in, in embers, the waterfall All right. takes place there. And then yeah. Okay. I can't get too much on that, but that happens in 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 embers in accelerant. It's more um, Hagen wrestling, you know, with his new identity, which is actually comes out of what happens at the falls. So that's right. okay. Now, yes, I'm with you now. Okay, who did your covers? Your covers are fantastic. That was Kirk Dupont. Absolutely. Oh, he is the master. And, uh, Yes, I, I wanted something very simple. Um, each story kind of takes a focus for a different um, family within the series, um, even though Hagen is still the primary hero through the series. But the first um, book, Embers, that is the sigil for House Selahar. And then book two has the Rakeen on it, which is the sigil for um, Navarre. And then the third book will have the symbol for the Furion, which is um, the role that Hagen steps into. Okay, so three books in the series. When you sat down to write okay. the book, the first book, did you already know what was going to be in the second or third and third book? How far into the process do you plan a book series? I don't. Um, I had no Good. idea. Good, I love that answer. Be... <laughs> I had no idea, and I, I don't. I don't ever try to know because once I get on the journey with the characters, it always changes. So um, I just, I let, in my speculative stories, I have the freedom, so to speak, to do that. With my suspense stories, the publisher requires a detailed synopsis, so I have to kind of line out what the story, what the story will be about. So with your speculative fiction, you don't have any type of rough outline. You seat of the pants it the whole time. Yes. Now, when I get you are a the wonder. End, I, uh, <laughs> when I get to the end, I can kind of know where where I'm where I'm going with it, and so I might um, usually when I get to about the last 
ten, five to ten chapters, I'll sit there and just kind of make notes on a piece of paper to remind myself what I need to tie up because there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of high intensity there at the end. So I want to make sure that caught in that wave, I pull it all with me. So, Okay, you mentioned on a piece of paper, and I picked up on that because I am an old school person. Like, Well, you know what? I think by definition, I actually am literally old school, but I write <laughs> things down on paper too. I write things down yeah. on paper too. So that's how you keep up with all the little, the little details because I have a problem keeping up with all those little details. You write it down. Do you have a specified notebook or do you just have a piece of paper handy? It's it's kind of split. Um, if I can't find my notebook, and this is actually the first year I, I bought, um, I did NaNoWriMo. That's how I started um, Accelerant, and I bought their Novel Notes notebook, and I have kept this on my desk. I've kept it in my purse. It's compact enough, and I I write everything in there. And I, that took some discipline. I wasn't used to doing that. But even still to this day, if I don't, if I can't find it quickly around my desk, I'll just grab the piece of paper from the printer, fold it in half, just write some notes down. And I keep those on my desk at all times. So, T- Tell it's folks what NaNoWriMo you know? is. Oh, tell folks what NaNoWriMo is. Month. Yeah. And tell them <laughs> the goal. Tell them the goal of, and it's in November, correct? Uh, October. October? How did I miss that? Okay. So NaNoWriMo. So tell folks who aren't familiar, what is the goal of NaNoWriMo? NaNoWriMo requires, to win NaNoWriMo, you have to write 50,000 words in a month. In a month. You said you had a NaNoWriMo workbook. Does that mean it's just a workbook that you specified for that? Or can you actually get a workbook for NaNoWriMo? Well, it's it's simply a note. It's like a... just a little notebook. It's not anything fancy. It has okay. um, the pages are lined. It has a place for your pen. And it just says on the front, it has the, the NaNoWriMo shield, their symbol, their emblem. And then right. it says novel notes beneath it. And um, it, the, they, you know, they kind of charged a little bit for it. <laughs> but um, that cost went towards helping to support NaNoWriMo itself. So I was cool with that. But well, I has, love notebooks. I, Stuff like that, though. Yeah, I do. T- I do. T- I, I keep this one with me all the time. Okay. All right. We. You know what? We're running out You're of time. Right. How it's does November. Yeah, it is. Okay, thank you, because I kept thinking it's the end. The end reminded me November. That's right, yeah, because yeah, I also yeah. remember. I also remember that is the second worst month it could possibly be. December <laughs> is the worst, but November <laughs> right. is so busy. I might have to do my own NaNoWriMo in October. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. We are running out of time, Ronnie. Tell folks how they can find you on social media. I'm everywhere. Um, on Facebook. You are my, everywhere. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think it's Rapid Fire Fiction is my um, login there. And then um, Twitter. I'm on Twitter, Ronnie Kendig. Instagram, Kendig Ronnie. I'm, yeah, I'm around. I'm pretty easy to find. And then, of course, my website is RonnieKendig.com. Yes, absolutely. Very easy to find. And remember, folks, it is one N, not two <laughs> N's. Okay. Last but, and tell us about the book series. Tell us the name of the book series one more time. The book series is Abiasa's Fire. And, and book one, Embers, book is, is already out. Embers, yes. And Accelerant and book two, will be out October. 
Accelerant will be, will be October 14th. October 14th. Oh, so this is timed pretty well. Oh, this is excellent. Yes, this is better than if we had done it last month. Yay! I'm glad this worked out <laughs> the way it did. Okay, last but not least, are you ready for some rapid-fire questions? Yes. Okay, I mentioned a weeping angel in the intro, and I forgot to mention this throughout the interview. You dressed up as a weeping angel at Realm Makers. It was an epic costume. I had no idea that was you. I applaud you for it, and the wig was made out of a mop, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> it was fantastic. It looked like you bought the whole thing professionally done and you made it yourself. So high five on that. But what is worse to sit next to on a transcontinental flight, Jar Jar Binks or a weeping angel? Oh, a weeping angel. Oh, you think I hate Jar Jar Binks. I could not tolerate being next to that creature. Oh, okay. You're going with weeping angel. I'll let you have that. Okay. Because you love dogs, better space dog. Astro from the Jetsons or Crypto the Superdog? Astro. Yes, thank you. We're the same generation. <laughs> Better captain of the Starship Enterprise, Kirk or Picard? If it's the new Kirk, I go with the new Kirk. But if it's the oh. old Kirk, I go with Picard. <laughs> what is wrong with you and Tosca Lee? Have y'all gotten together? She is a Picard woman, too. And I told her that I'm not sure why I'm friends with her because of that. Last but not <laughs> least, what is a worse superpower? Superhuman strength only while wearing an unflattering swimsuit or the ability to stop criminals only by spraying them like a skunk? I think the worst would be the swimsuit. <laughs> These are serious questions. Like I wish you could... for me. <laughs> I know. Swimsuits are horrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Ronnie. Look for Accelerant to come out next month, October 15th. Embers is out now. And look up Ronnie on Ronnie Kendig, K-E-N-D-I-G, while I'm spelling it, R-O-N-I-E. Not Roni, just Ronnie. Look her up. Follow her on social media. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. I promise you this time it really will air. I promise. <laughs> Thank you, Carla. <laughs> That's it for us on the Geek Block. I'm Carla Hogue. Be sure to check out my new blog at fightright.net. If you would like me to critique your fight scene, you can co contact me through Quill Pen Editorial. That's it for us, guys. Tune in next month, same bat time, same bat channel. And until then, live long and prosper in Christ.